1: The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range and Toolmark, the complete tool center, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day.
0: Don't change
2: Yeah, hi everyone. Welcome to Sports Day WA. Peter Vlahos with you. You can join us any time on the Tempera Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. You may have just hopped into your car. You may be just heading home after a hard day's work, wherever uh, it is around this uh, great state of ours. And you're just wondering how the AFL trade period ended just a short time ago. Jimmy Williams is going to join us in just a moment for the good oil for Cobram Estate. Premium Australian extra virgin olive oil. But two very high-profile managers spoke today on AFL Trade Radio, and one was Jason Dover, who I've got a very high regard for in relation to the way he conducts his affairs, and I know a lot of the players do respect him. He was involved with Lockie Schultz, and he mentioned actually on AFL Trade Radio today that Frio were aware of Schultz wanting out around 12 months ago
3: yeah look there
2: was
4: personal and family reasons behind it i won't go into the exact details because i don't think that's appropriate but um the club had been aware of it for uh, for tw- at least 12 months that there were some underlying issues there and um and i think in the end just getting back at the end of the season having some time back there with his family and his girlfriend i think the ties back home just grew even stronger and they realized that if they could make it happen now, it's probably the right time to try to do it rather than wait for 12 months' time. And that's when we went to Fremantle and had the conversation with them and said, look, is, is there something we can do now? If there is and we can deliver you better value than you'd get in 12 months' time as a free agent with Lockie, is it something you'd look at and consider doing with us?
2: So that was Jason Dover talking about Lockie Schultz. Another deal that was done uh, during the course of the 10 days of the AFL trade period was the fact that uh, Liam Henry from Fremantle ended up at St Kilda and his manager was Colin Young. It was pretty, actually it was really good this year because obviously Liam was out of contract and we'd had conversations, I'd had conversations with David from Fremantle since March, discussed where he was at all the time and I know that um, the club was speaking to him monthly about where he was mentally, you know, playing with the club, you know, each week, each month and then what would look like at the end of the year and even I think um, David and I would have spoke about two weeks before the season finished thinking that if Liam hadn't made his mind up we might have to do a one-year deal to stay because he was still 50-50 on staying or going. So when David and, and Steve got together it's, um, apparently the first few meetings were quite good and quite amicable so we thought they'll get, we'll get done. So there you go, that's Colin Young talking about Liam Henry and Jason Dover talking about Lockie shorts a couple of the big names to vacate uh, from this side of the country. shorts going to Collingwood and Henry going to St Kilda. To give us a full rundown on how it all fell today and there was a bit of movement, Hawthorne were very busy. Jimmy Williams, the executive producer of Sports Day WA for Continental Tyres, who sponsored AFL Trade Radio, has the Last and final update on uh, the trade period today. Jimmy.
5: Been so many moves, Pete. I'll start with the first one and go through them all for the audience. Uh, Ivan Soldo has gone from Richmond to Port Adelaide. Uh, The deal that was spoken about for much of yesterday, Jack Ginevan, is now officially a Hawthorne player. He goes there. Uh, A big change of picks involved in that one. The other player to move clubs today was Jordan Sweet going from the Western Bulldogs to the Power. Finally, after a lot of toing and froing, Port and Geelong were able to get a deal done over Rasaba radicalia So the big Fijian is now a Port Adelaide player. Uh, Carlton have added Elijah Holland, so they've already got Ollie Holland. They mm-hmm. now have his brother Elijah in a deal with the Gold Coast. Uh, the Tigers got their hands on Jacob Kuzitsky, uh, so he's gone from Hawthorne to Richmond, St Kilda. Uh, have given away Jack Billings to Melbourne in exchange for a future third rounder. Now, those that weren't listening to Sports Day or those that just love the, the draft history, Jack Billings was formally taken in front of Marcus Bond and Pelly all those years ago. So uh, <laughs> a, a bad result for St Kilda in the long term there. Jack Gunston is now back at Hawthorne after a short stint. Second coming. At the Brisbane Lions footy club. Mabir Choll has landed at Hawthorne. They had six deals today, if you can believe that. So Gold Coast and Hawthorne getting that deal done for Choll and a very late one, which got done right before deadline, uh, Xavier Dersma, officially an Essendon bomber, Brandon Zerk Thatcher involved with a couple of pick swaps in there. He is heading to Port Adelaide. So they've got the Sabra uh, Brandon Zerk Thatcher, a couple of, uh, defenders down there next year. Uh, And this one was an interesting one because there was some confusion over what Essendon had to do with Massimo D'Ambrosio. He's now a Hawthorne player. So Essendon have executed that trade. They were under the impression uh, that Hawthorne had to actually execute the trade. The Hawks thought that he could go to the club as a delisted free agent. So there was some clarity sought by Essendon and Adrian Dodoro. And Mass D'Ambrosio is now a Hawthorne player. So plenty of players moving on the final day of the AFL trade period, Pete.
2: Good you, Jimmy. Thanks for bringing us up today. There you go for Cobram Estate. Uh, the major story today, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in northern Victoria. Now, there was a huge upset in the World Cup uh, cricket competition last night as he played in India. Have a listen to this. The Netherlands defeating South Africa.
1: Two balls away. Or maybe one ball away. Netherlands. It's clumped it! And the catch has been taken. That's a win for Netherlands. We just witnessed one of the major upsets in 50 overs cricket
0: and World Cup 2.
2: Well, there you go. Now, we're going to speak to Ryan Campbell shortly. Uh, Campbell uh, took over as the head coach of the Dutch national team in January of 2017 and was there until December 2022. And he's worked diligently to make the Netherlands uh, a very respected uh, football, or should say football, uh, cricket nation. The Last night, the previously unbeaten South African team succumbed to the Dutch for a second time in less than 12 months, the Netherlands claimed another momentous upset over the pro tiers at this World Cup. If you recall, last November, the Netherlands' shock win in Adelaide dumped South Africa out of the T20 World Cup. And of course, last night, they crashed to a 38-run defeat in the 50-over equivalent. So we're going to speak to Ryan Campbell very shortly. Even though now he is the head coach of Durham, he got a three-year contract at the end It'll take him to the end of the 2025 season. Uh, he's currently now coaching in the UK, but it would had uh, a huge attachment to the Netherlands. And we'll speak to Ryan Campbell about uh, that victory last night uh, in a little while. As well as that, there was a bit more history being made in cricket today. And we're going to focus on that as well, because we're going to speak to Claire Polisak. You're saying, who's Claire? Well, let me tell you about Claire. History will be made next month at the WACA ground when WA take on South Australia in a Sheffield Shield match. And Claire Polisak, together with Elise Sheridan, will become the first women to umpire Sheffield Shield matches in a move that will continue to break down barriers. Now, Polisak is no stranger to the big stage. She's umpired in Women's Internationals, BBL, WBBL, and the domestic 50 over matches. But uh, she will make history on November 15 when she partners Sam Nogjeski uh, for the match between WA and South uh, Australia at the WACA. She did become the first woman to umpire a men's domestic match in Australia back in 2017 and was the first woman to stand in a men's ODI two years later. So we'll speak to Claire. She is in Sydney, is from New South Wales. We'll have a chat to her about what this means. Flying over here and taking part in a Sheffield Shield match right here at the Wacker between WA and South Australia. She'll be coming up on the program as well. And as we do every month, we check in with what's happening at all the venues, West Stadiums, and there's plenty of activity, let me tell you, here at Optus Stadium, HBF Park, uh, where else uh, are we going to focus on? We've got the RAC Arena, the State Football Centre, HBF Stadium, the WA Athletic Stadium. It is a full board of activity and the Chief Operating Officer of Venues West and Peter Bokop is going to join us a bit later on. As I mentioned, uh, we speak to him once a month just to bring you up to speed about the activity that's coming your way and how ticket sales and all the other information that's required. So we'll take a break. On the other side of the break, uh, it's either going to be Ryan Campbell we'll have a chat to, Uh, we're just trying to track him down over there in the UK, or we'll speak to the lady that I've just spoken to you about, uh, Claire Polisak, who will make history here at the Wacker on November 15. We're here for the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, serving WA for over 45 years. This is Sports Day WA.
1: The all-electric Kia EV6, with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolman, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change me, don't change
2: a Welcome back to Sports Day WA, wherever you may be listening uh, across the state of Western Australia with Peter Blahos. It's all thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. And, of course, uh, mate is fair dinkum internet without the fuss. And, basically, a mate of WA cricket is Claire Polisak. And there's some big news coming out today that history will be made next month when Claire and Elise Sheridan become the first women to umpire Sheffield Shield cricket matches in a move that will continue to break down barriers. In fact, uh, Claire will be out in the middle in the match on November 15. It gets underway between WA and South Australia, just across the Swan River from our studios here at SENWA at the uh, Wacker Ground. And Claire joins us on the program. Claire, thanks for your time. No,
0: thanks
2: for having me, Peter. Uh, great news. Is, I know you've uh, umpired... Uh, men before in other forms of the cricket. But this is the first time that you'll be out in the middle umpiring a Sheffield Shield match involving Western Australia. When did you know this was going to happen?
0: Yeah, no, I found out a little while ago, um, so it's been good to be able to just have some time to reflect on it and to prepare properly. So looking forward to the, to the opportunity. The Wacker Ground is a beautiful ground to umpire at, and I've got a really good partner in Sam Nagaski, and the WA boys are always really good to work with, so looking forward to it.
2: So you would have umpired at grade cricket level, correct?
0: Yeah, I've been in Sydney grade cricket uh, since 2008. I uh, made my first grade debut in 2015 uh, in Sydney.
2: Yeah, saying that, what gave you the appetite to become a cricket umpire?
0: Yeah, Peter, I've never played cricket, um, which is a bit strange for for a lot of people. But when I was younger, um, there was not as much girls' cricket floating around as what there is today. And I just wasn't um, – I was too scared to play with the boys, to tell you the truth. So I followed cricket from a distance. And then you know, our family holiday every year was to go to the SCG to watch the test match in January. And then when I was about 15, 16, I had the opportunity to, to start um, going through the laws courses in New South Wales. It took me a little while to pass. I think being uh, quite young and never played cricket meant that the exam was very difficult, but it was just something that I was very determined to do and have been very fortunate with the opportunities that I've been able to, to take up and, and to put my best foot forward.
2: So what was your chosen sport as a player when you were younger? You said you never played cricket. Did you play any other sport?
0: Yeah, played quite a few other sports. Uh, t-ball and softball um, in summer. So I'm I'm okay at hitting a ball before it bounces. But once <laughs> it bounces, I'm not great. <laughs> um, netball in winter. Uh, and then when I was at university, played a lot of ultimate frisbee, which is a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, I've heard about ultimate frisbee. And you never sort of contemplated maybe being official in those sports that you played?
0: Yeah, the first game I ever officiated in was actually a kids' t-ball game. So it was part of the roast roster that we had to do, um, you know, to give back to the community was to be involved in the younger games. Um, and then I also umpired, refereed, umpired uh, volleyball as well. Uh, when I played volleyball, um... It was, part of the, again, part of the roster that everybody had a crack when when you had a buy. So I've officiated a couple of different sports, but definitely cricket was always um, my, my love and my passion and the one that I was really interested in pursuing, if possible.
2: Well, Claire, you became the first woman to umpire a men's domestic match back in Australia. That was in 2017, so that was about six years ago, and you became the first woman to stand in a men's ODI two years later. Tell us about that experience.
0: Yeah, it was fantastic. So it was World Cricket League Division 2 in Namibia, and it was the final of the tournament between Oman and Namibia, and it was just it was very special because most everybody on the field actually other than my partner was making their ODI debut. So it was it was handshakes all around and everybody, it was just a fantastic experience to be in. And then to see the Namibian team do really well um recently has been fantastic to see them grow and develop as well.
2: Do you think we'll see more of this going forward now, more women umpiring in men's matches? And, of course, we've seen men umpire women's matches. But it did say in my introduction that uh, you uh, continue to break down the barriers for women that want to officiate in men's level cricket.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I really think that it's a case of you can't be what you can't see and so a big part of females coming into officiating in a lot of different sports is that they don't know it's a legitimate pathway. They don't know it's a legitimate way of being involved in the game. Um, so I really hope that it, that it might inspire boys or girls to take it up um, and, and, and give it a crack. I mean, it, it is the best seat in the house to watch a game of cricket. And the, the transferable skills that you get from officiating can, can help you in all aspects of life.
2: I know that you've umpired in the big stage, having umpired in women's internationals, the BBL, the WBBL and domestic 50 overmatches. So you've been there and you understand the hurly-burly and the responsibilities that uh, comes with being a cricket umpire. What are your thoughts on the technology that's now in cricket and how do you handle that?
0: Yeah, I mean, the technology is great. Uh, It's really good for feedback that we can use uh, for ourselves in our own learning, our own development, um, and the players can see. Sometimes umpiring an international match with technology is easier than doing a club cricket match because everybody knows whether the decision's correct or not. Um, So you you can um, improve yourself in that respect. But I think the technology is here to stay. If you can't embrace it, then you're going to have trouble moving forward. Um, but it's it's fantastic for feedback. It's fantastic for learning.
2: Yeah, saying that, I think David Warner wants an explanation on the technology because he was very upset the way he was dismissed last night in that World Cup match, show, or the other day that World Cup match against Sri Lanka out LBW. With The ball just taking the top of the leg stump and possibly the bail. Sometimes when it comes to the umpires in the old days with no technology, you often used to give the batsman the benefit of the doubt. The batsmen don't get that benefit anymore.
0: Umpires make the decisions based on what's in front of them and do the best job that they can. So it's it is what it is. In the scorebook, it's out, um, and the umpire said it was too.
2: <laughs> Beautifully answered. You must be absolutely <laughs> elated with the uh, the transformation of women's cricket. Our Australian women's cricket team are now very much shop window stuff. It, it's amazing how it's transformed itself to become an elite sport in the last decade or so.
0: Oh, 100%. And it's fantastic to see the WVBL starting tomorrow night and just the, the number of players now that can... Y- to have cricket as their profession, they're able to train more, which means their skills will improve, which means that cricket is a better product, which is really exciting for, for stakeholders to watch. So really looking forward to the to the upcoming season um, and hopefully it, it all starts with a bang.
2: We know about your, your history-making debut in the Shield, uh, WA versus South Australia at the WACA on November 15. But what does the summer hold for you, Claire?
0: Yeah, just taking every ball as it comes. I think um, there's a couple of games to get through before we get to the Shield game, so I'll be building really nicely uh, into into that game. But very much so just working and improving as well as I can for every ball um, that, that gets presented to us because for umpires in cricket, if you're not focused on the next ball that's in front of you, then you're going to come undone. So just working really hard and strong um to see where we can get to.
2: So what's the pinnacle for t- for you? Maybe by 2025 when the next Ashes series comes around, maybe being out in the middle for Australia versus England?
0: Yeah, I mean cricket's a funny one with neutral umpires, isn't it? Um so you never know uh what what the future holds. But definitely have cherished every opportunity that I've had um moving forward and just seeing where how far I can get just to just to see how I can improve and and how far we can go up the up the chain.
2: Good on you, Claire. You've spoken very well in the chat today. Uh, You're oozing confidence. uh, No doubt you understand the product very well. And we wish you the best of luck and we'll see you at the Wacker in about three, four weeks' time.
0: Yeah, no, thank you very much. Really looking forward to it,
2: Peter. Claire Polisak there who, as we mentioned, is making history next month. She'll be officiating uh, at the Wacker, WA versus South Australia, November 15. And that's for mate. Score a mobile deal as good as a Sam Curl worldie with mate. And don't forget that Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American football's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in-store at Beaumont's before November 12 and you're in the chance to win. T&Cs do apply. We'll take a break. Uh, come back with more of Sports Day WA.
1: The all-electric Kia EV6, with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change
5: me, don't change
1: me. Two balls away, or maybe one ball away, Netherlands. It's clubbed it, and the catch has been taken. we just witnessed one of the major upsets in 50 years cricket and World Cup 2.
2: Yes, what an upset was. Previously unbeaten South Africa succumbing to the Dutch for a second time in less than 12 months. The Netherlands claiming another monumental upset over the pro at the World Cup in India. Now, last November, this man was in charge of the Netherlands when they shocked South Africa in Adelaide and dumped South Africa out of the T20 World Cup and as we saw last night, they crashed, that is South Africa, to a 38-run defeat in the 50-over equivalent. Well, he took over the reins of Dutch cricket in January of 2017, and then of December last year, he was appointed head coach of Durham on a three-year contract Uh, that'll see him there to the end of 2025, and he's had a pretty good first year with the Durham Cricket Club as well. He's our very own, he's a West Australian, and he's a Great operator, Ryan Campbell joins us here on Sports Day WA. Rhino, thanks for your time.
3: G'day, Pete. How
2: you doing? What are you on about? An upset?
3: Are the Dutch beat the all the time? Don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I know you spent a lot of time in uh, in Holland, and you your a- attitude with the Dutch was to be, make sure that the Netherlands bridge the gap. Uh, on those major cricket nations, Australia, England, South Africa. And certainly uh, they have done that in the last few years. You must have been pretty proud last night.
3: Oh, I am 100%. It was it's pretty much like watching my kids uh, play, to be honest. But um, look, at the end of the day, the youngsters and smaller t- cricket teams around the world, I'm talking about all the associates, the Scotlands, the um, you know, Namibia, all these sort of teams, they're fantastic stories and you know yeah, just hoping that they get the right exposure to become really good teams and we get uh, people talking about the game not just about the big teams you know of course we love australia winning or england or whatever it is but mate, there's nothing better than the little guy coming up you know david versus goliath sort of thing and uh the little guy last night was absolutely fantastic
2: that was take us back to the Adelaide Oval uh, last November where South Africa, of course, uh, defeated or were beaten by the Netherlands in that T20 World Cup. That would have been a special moment for you.
3: Oh, 100%. You know, especially, you know, I, my goal was always to sort of walk away from the Dutch at the end of a World Cup in my own, own country uh, and to take the lads there. And we did so well, but to not only... Um, just beat South Africa but the fact was we had a massive say in the finals and you know who ended up winning the the World Cup and that that doesn't happen too often Um, and throw in the fact that by winning that game we ended up in the top eight which meant we had direct qualification to the next World Cup which you know it's a scary thing having to go through qualifiers and you know, if, if you don't do well, you, you lose finance, you do all those sort of things. It's pretty nerve-wracking. Um, so, yeah, the, the end of that match in Adelaide, it was a, a really nice way to say goodbye. Yeah.
2: Of the 11 that played last night, Rhino, uh, predominantly they would have been the same players that were under your tutelage uh, before you left.
3: A hundred percent. You know, I was looking at the, the whole squad, to be honest. It's, um, I reckon there's only one new name uh, in Inglebrandt, who's the only one that I didn't have, you know, hands-on mm-hmm. contact with, I guess, develop them and, and stuff. So, um, yeah, like I say, it's obviously very proud watching these youngsters develop into what they are. Obviously, I've stolen a few of them and, you know, Buster later plays for me here at Durham and uh, Colin Ackerman has just signed for us for next year. So, I'll always have that Dutch element. Of course, Mm. my kids still watch Dutch TV in the mornings and still speak Dutch every now and again. So I don't think I'll ever
2: get rid of it. Tell us about Scott Edwards. He's the wicketkeeper, came in at number seven. They lost some early wickets, uh, the Netherlands. They lost Singh for two. And you mentioned Colin Ackerman. He came in at number three, was ousted for 12. But it was really a great effort at the back end. You know, Edwards, 78, Van Beek, 10. And the bowlers all contributed to take Holland to 245. Tell us about Scott Edwards who's the captain by the way. Yeah
3: mate, mate he, he's a great kid. We, we look he's another one we found. Um, he had played club cricket in, in the Netherlands and we knew he had a Dutch passport but he wasn't really in the frame of things until we played against Namibia I think. Um, we needed to win to to make it into this World Super League and all this sort of things and uh, Scotty I gave a phone call to and said mate I need you to come to Dubai for the first time and he just fitted in so nicely and uh, he actually after winning that he only had played three games and he went and got himself a, a, a Dutch lion tattoo on his ankle so mm-hmm. he, we knew he was going to be a Dutchie for all these days but mate he, he's one kid that in all honesty he's since we made him captain, his game has just gone to another level. And that doesn't happen too often. You know, you're always nervous about making someone a leader because, oh, well, the workload. And we always talk about, you know, wikis. Can they be a wicketkeeper, a batter, and a captain at the same time? But I just felt he was always the right guy for the, for the job. And, um, look, he's gone on to big things. He still plays cricket in Melbourne. And... You know, I know that he, he would love to play in the Big Bash at some point, but um, look, he, he's a guy that people are talking about, which is
2: good to see. At one stage, uh, the Netherlands was 6 for 112, 7 for 140, and then got to 245 on the back end of Scott Edwards' 78, and of course the partnerships he built with the bowlers. What does that say about the character of the team?
3: Oh, I mean, they, they're just not there to compete. They want to win. And they feel that there's a bigger belief now that they've played against these teams. And again, for those who don't know, the Netherlands who got the opportunity to play in the Super League, which was the 13-team, you know, 50-over comp, that had never happened before in associate cricket. So we got to play against England and New Zealand and Pakistan. We got to play against all the best players in the world. And, you know, the guys... Yes, that we didn't win too many games. We won three, I think. But they felt like they belonged, and it wasn't such a big deal to play against superstars. And you know what? What they did yesterday was they just kept believing. Tell you the other thing that came from it, Pete. And I thought South Africa. Look, I know their record in World Cups. They generally make a historic mess up at some point. But I honestly thought they're one of the favourites to take Mm. on India. Um, in the final, but that back end of bowling and their fielding, mate, they looked like they were a, a, a deer in the headlights almost. Their bowling was poor, their fielding was poor, and the emotion of it all got away with them. So, mate, that throws open the whole competition, and, and the big winner is going to be Australia or England, who now can you know, grab one of those four spots to, for the semis Um, because of this result.
2: Yeah, no, amazing. And Netherlands winning their first game. Australia have only won the one game, and we saw Afghanistan beat England. And New Zealand, who are yet to lose a match, are taking on Afghanistan at the moment. And uh, they've done okay, Afghanistan. They've certainly kept New Zealand in check, just going just under five runs and over, about one for 66 off about a dozen overs. Cambo, uh, firstly, how's your health? Uh, As we know, you suffered that episode uh, in April of last year everything going okay
3: yeah mate going really well thanks we uh, we got through a pretty hectic uh, county season um, you know
2: fantastic result
3: from Durham uh, winning the competition and you know go to division one next year uh, which we're looking forward to I've even managed to uh, book myself a holiday back to Perth so I'm bringing the family lovely uh, in a couple, in, a, in a week's time I'm looking forward to getting to Perth some a couple of good beers mate and some nice warm weather by the beach.
2: I know, the weather is magnificent at the moment, as you know, Rhino, we don't need to tell you. Tell us about Durham, uh, that was a great effort, uh, you've taken, and I think you posted a bit of a social message, you've taken the Durham brand of cricket into the best league in the country being the, the county championship, which must excite you, because you've still got another couple of years of run to run on your contract there.
3: Yeah, 100%, look, I, I, I've loved coming to, you know, county cricket is a, you know, we, we know how good the Sheffield Shield is, but you know, the English county system is a brilliant organisation and the games, obviously, there are lots of tradition and it's tough cricket. So for us to win um, the competition, but I think it was 66 points in the end, we, we it, sort of cantered away. But, look, we're the newest county. So we've only been in the competition 30 years, but Ben Stokes comes from here. Mm. Mark Wood comes from here. Um, Ollie you know, Robertson's produce- from there, isn't he? Ollie's. Hey, Ollie Robson, well, we got the wiki Ollie Robson. The, the, you're thinking of the big Oh,
2: right, that's right, I am too.
3: Um, Bryden Cass, Matthew Potts, Alex Lees, all these guys are from up here. Um, so we we punch out of our weight division massively. And, um, you know, next year in Division 1, we'll be up against the good guys. The other good thing for, for us Perth boys, mate, uh, my boss, the director of cricket, is obviously Marcus North, who...
4: Oh, I'm a very right. proud West
3: Australian. And, and so, yeah, the, the two WA lads uh, continue to try and uh, push the borough for Durham cricket.
2: That's fantastic. That's in the north of the country. It's around Newcastle. Is it Durham? Yeah,
3: it is. It's right up north. where uh, I've even seen Hadrian's Wall, mate. I, I'm so <laughs> close. close. I, I, I think people could think I'm Scottish.
2: <laughs> uh, right. Uh, how long are you coming to Perth for? How long are you going to stay here for? Mate, I've got-
3: Oh, I've got a couple of weeks in there. Unfortunately, I can't get to school for too much longer. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a short visit, but I'm sure I'll have a great time catching up with everyone. You're
2: catching up with friends and family—that's no doubt your priority. Hundred yeah.
3: percent. I haven't seen mum and dad for a while now, so uh, yeah, looking forward to getting home and. Like,
2: Yeah, good stuff. Well, mate, thank you very much for taking the call. Just sort of nice to connect with you. You would have been very proud last night with all the work that you did for a number of years in uh, the Netherlands to see what they achieved last night on the big stage and uh, everybody certainly taking notice. And you are very much part and parcel of uh, putting the Netherlands where they are now. Good luck with Durham, mate. And if hopefully... Uh, We might be able to bump into each other over the couple of weeks you're here because no doubt you'll be on the road a bit seeing a heap of people. And if you're going past Optus Stadium, come in and say hi to the SEN studios. I'll be here. Be good to have a chat to you. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ryan. Ryan Campbell joining us on the program here on Sports Day WA. We'll take a break. Come back with more in a
1: moment. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day.
2: And for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand here on Sports Day, we can tell you that an entire round of men's and women's A-League matches will be played in Sydney on the same January weekend as part of a revamped contract with the New South Wales government that will no longer have grand final hosting rights. Unite Round is set to generate more than $10 million for the economy and will take place at Allianz Stadium, Combank Stadium and Leichhardt Oval from January 12 to 14. The concept is looked and booked for the next two seasons. It replaces the initial three-year contract that had Sydney hosting the men's and women's A-League Grand Finals, regardless of which teams were playing. One of the major sports news headlines today. Thanks to Polaris, plate clearance deals are on now. Save $2,000 on the range of 1,000 EPS, plus get $1,000 free accessories. Now the leg up is Australia's fastest-growing tipping
5: service. Let's go to Blake Johnston. G'day, fellas. Caulfield Cup this weekend, and I'm sticking strong with Francesco Guardi. I reckon he's ready to improve after three runs back from a spell. First up and second up, he chased home Fangirl and Mr. Brightside, and then last start, he just peaked on his effort in the Turnbull behind Gold Trip. Gets to a winnable trip. J-Mac has never won a Caulfield Cup, so he'll be hungry. I think he's going to be hard enough to beat at double-figure odds, so I'm going to play him. Good luck if you follow, fellas.
2: Yeah, good on you there, Blake. Thanks for that. Get a leg up on the bookies with Australia's fast-growing tipping service, thelegup.com.au. And, of course, don't forget, you can join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member today and go the Wildcats. They've had a bit of a a rocky start to the season, but it's early days. Only five matches down. They're sitting at two and three, and they've got the Adelaide 36ers away this weekend. All right, uh, let's just update a bit more on what's happening in sport. We mentioned the AFL uh, trade period a bit earlier it was interesting that Daniel Rich, as we know, has retired from AFL football. The youngster that was drafted from Subiaco, played in the Subiaco Waffle Premiership team, was taken from the Sorrento-Duncraig Junior Football Club and became such an uh, amazing player for Brisbane. Went there as a 17-year-old and now at the age of 33 has decided to retire. Uh, is married, has got a family up there in Brisbane, and he was asked whether they ever thought about maybe returning back to WA.
4: Oh,
3: there was always. Oh, there was
4: when you play for a decent amount of time, probably especially that I suppose years maybe three to ten or eleven. They uh, they are a lot lot more serious and they they coming most years. But I don't know. I always um, always loved Brisbane. I love that the fact they kind of gave me the first shot and were really good with me. And um, I was lucky that I played from day dot and got looked after so well. So. I was always, I suppose, the person I think, oh, I'd love to be able to stay here my whole career. And we obviously had some pretty tough times. But um, I was really proud. One of, one of the proudest things, to be honest, of my career is that I, I stuck fat through those really tough times and was able to leave the club where it is now. So, um, yeah, it's not easy. I've, I've had a few conversations. Could have even been playing with Phil down at the Giants. But um, that wasn't to be either.
2: Good on you, Daniel Rich, there talking. Let's go now to our regular monthly segment. Uh, we've got Peter Bocop, the Chief Operating Officer of uh, Venues West, joining us on the program. Pete, thanks for your time. G'day, Pete. How are you travelling, mate? Good, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, let's kick it off. HBF right, Park, uh, the Perth Glory <laughs> return there on Sunday, and it's a double header at HBF Park on Sunday
4: it is a double header the first game of the season for the men and the second for the women and um Pete, it's a it's a new era for perth glory you might have heard during the week yeah. the owners are out and about and you know tony's done a, a wonderful job for the last 18 years but with some new blood coming into to the ownership of glory we um hope to see them you know back to the very Most glory days. back sitting at the top of the table and battling it out for the plate. So, um,
2: first game. Yeah, spoke to their uh, chairman-elect on the program last night. He sounds very enthusiastic indeed. Also at HBF Park, sharing it with Optus Stadium. We've got those Asian Olympic qualifiers coming up, featuring, of course, our very own comeback Matildas.
4: Yeah, and look, what a story. I mean, Pete, we did the Matildas about four or five years ago. and I think we sold five or 6,000 tickets. We're over a hundred thousand tickets between these three events wow. and three sold out stadiums, which is wow, I mean, what a what a absolute wonderful result for football. What a wonderful result for for women in sport. It's just it's mind blowing to have three sold out stadiums. So look, there's still I think the odd ticket available here and there. So still by all means jump onto the Ticketmaster website and see if you can grab one. Um, but, well, we're, we're looking forward to it so much. Starting next week, Pete, on the um, on
2: the Thursday night. Yeah, the 26th of October, match on the 29th of October and the final on November the 1st. Should be fantastic. Cricket returns to Optus Stadium too. We've got a test match uh, that happens in December, just before Christmas, and the Big Bash. We're starting to talk about that as well.
4: Yeah, yeah. One of Perth's very favourite team, the Scorchers, get out there again, playing the Hobart Hurricanes on the 20th of December couple of games through the uh, Christmas-New Year period. On the 26th of December, they're playing Melbourne. And the 3rd of January, they're taking on the Adelaide Strikers.
2: OK, and as we know, the test match, the Perth test match, Thursday the 14th to Monday the 18th of December against Pakistan here at Optus Stadium. Uh, the home of the Perth Wildcats is the RAC Arena. Where are they back home? On the 4th of November, playing Adelaide.
4: Quite a few Adelaide teams obviously visiting in the next <laughs> couple of weeks. Uh, At the moment, they're sitting eighth on the ladder, which isn't a bad start, but they've got a pretty solid run. After the 4th of November, they've got the, um, the New Zealand Breakers on the 10th, going into the Cairns Taipans on the 16th, and then 1st of December against the Sydney Kings, their old rivals.
2: Yeah, no, it's a fantastic venue when it comes to the NBL and basketball. Uh, the Red Army get out in great numbers there at RAC Arena. One yeah, are of
4: the new... All cats do it wonderfully
2: well. Yeah, they do. And one of the new stadia that we're very excited about is the State Football Centre, which is now up and running. Yeah, and we've got the official opening on the 27th of
4: October and some very special guests. We've got Sam Kerr and a number of her other Matildas teammates are heading along there. Um it is a ticketed event and the tickets went out yesterday and they were all gone within half an hour. Is that right? Um, that was, yeah, look, it's going to be such a popular thing. So I understand that the uh, ticketing platform is taking sort of reserves so people can put their name on the waiting list uh, if anyone gives their tickets back. But again, look at the popularity of this team. I mean, in half an hour, every single one of those thousands of tickets has, has disappeared. So um, it's going to be a wonderful Wonderful way to open the new state football centre and um, couldn't get a better group of special guests, could we? Oh, that's
2: a great lineup. Uh, I can only understand why the tickets have been snapped up so quickly. Eternal MMA 80 is also a very, very popular sport. Uh, We know about UFC and the big uh, Alexander Volkanovsky fight this weekend in Abu Dhabi. But uh, closer to home, Eternal MMA 80 happens at HBF Stadium. Yeah,
4: look, it's Australia's premier mister. Mixed Martial Art Organisation, and they have a lot of fighters from Australia and New Zealand taking their opportunity to rise up through the ranks. So it's not out of the question to see these people on the big stage in years to come. So Saturday the 28th of October, they're here at HBS Stadium.
2: And we've got a uh, judo uh, competition happening there as well uh, in November. Yeah, there's, it's in two parts. Um,
4: on the 10th and 11th is the 2023 Senior, uh, sorry, Senior Oceana Open, hard to say. (laughs) And -hmm. on the 12th, we've got the Junior and Cadet Cup. Okay, so if you're a fan of judo, you're going to see some of the best exploits in Australia here for that weekend.
2: And finally, uh, at the WA Athletic Stadium, the weather's getting better. Everybody gets out and about. And uh, between Friday uh, the 8th and Monday the 11th of uh, December, there's a bit of activity at the WA Athletic Stadium
4: yeah sport close to my own heart Pete. the all australian athletics championships and national school challenge is on and um if you haven't seen um these let's say kids these under 18s perform they are absolutely unbelievable i mean even go back I remember geez only 6 7 years ago a, Young lady, by the name Nina Kennedy, was there, setting a junior wow. world record. So <laughs> yeah. You will see some fantastic athletes and you know potential future world champions,
2: Pete. Good on you, Pete. That's a great uh, snapshot of what's happening uh, at the venues West uh, outlets right around the metropolitan area: HBF Park, Optus Stadium, RAC Arena, the State Football Centre, HBF Stadium, and the WA Athletic Stadium. Good on you, Peter. Thanks for giving us a snapshot. Thanks, and if anybody wants more information, they just go to the respective websites. I gather.
4: Yes, and or just type venues West
2: into Google and you can pick any one of our 14 venues. Good on you, mate. A busy man that you are, and uh, you wouldn't have it any other way. Thanks for joining us on the program. Thanks, Pete. Good on you. Peter Bocop, uh, the Chief Operating Officer there of Venues West. So As you can see, uh, plenty happening uh, in our venues, and go along and support them. That's about it, really. And just finally, for Iragia is here to save time and water. Australia has won the soccer ashes for the first time in 69 years after a thumping 2 0 win over New Zealand in London. And Graham Arnold has given WA's Alessandro Kirkati his soccer's debut as part of five big changes from the side that took on England. So well done to Alessandro. And that update, thanks to Iragia. Uh, Irrigear offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions to save time and water. Irrigear is here. And thanks for being here. Heat up my panel operator and Jimmy Williams, my executive producer. Look forward to your company tomorrow. I'll be joining Paul Hazelby for the run home from three and then back again at five for Sports Day WA.